right. Well, um, hello and welcome to the Mobility Podcast. Uh, I'm Greg Rogers with Securing America's Future Energy, uh, or SAFE Greg. I'm at the uh, SAE Innovations and Mobility Conference in uh, Novi, Michigan, um, this October uh, 2019. Um, we're here for um, an exciting series of interviews um, with industry leaders um, across the public and private sector. Um, and I encourage you to keep up with uh, the conference um, using the hashtag uh, SAEIIM. Um, but for this episode, um, I'm really, really excited to be joined by Joanna Pinkerton, who is the uh, president and CEO of the Central Ohio Transportation Authority, or CODA. Um, do you say COTA or CODA? Do we, how do we do that? <laughs> well, I've noticed if you're from outside of Ohio, it's, it's uh, you know, articulated very well, COTA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a little bit of my Southern Ohio twang, it's CODA. <laughs> so uh, we'll respond to either. But uh, thanks for having us here today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for coming on. So, um, you know, I'm always excited to have uh, someone on from uh, the public sector especially folks who are actually uh, doing the work on the ground. I mean, you are the boots on the ground for getting people from place to place. Um, and, but for, I, I'd like to jump into that in a second. But before you became the head of CODA, um, you were the CEO of the Transportation Research Center um, at Ohio State University. Um, and so taking, how did you take that experience <laughs> into CODA? Um, how did that help you? And what, what sort of challenges have you faced in sort of re- reapproaching your job? Well, I'll tell you, um, as Chief Operating Officer at TRC, so Transportation Research Center, most people are not aware of the partnership with The Ohio State University. So I was actually an Ohio State University employee working there at that nonprofit. And, you know, the the nature of it being the nation's largest independent proving ground, Mm -hmm. which most people don't realize, it being the only place where um, the U.S. Department of Transportation has an R&D facility Mm -hmm. for ground-based transportation. You know, that kind of secretive nature for the last 40 years. And then working with the more than 800 customers who work there to say what is it that you're doing in the mobility space so it's a lot more as you know nowadays about technology innovation propulsion electrification all of these things um so it was actually it might you might not see a direct connection between what i did there and what i do in my current role but for to me it was very clear how do you take all of that special work and get it outside of the proving ground get it on the ground in people's hands and actually use it for outcome based you know how does technology become for people right and so to your point we are moving people that's what we do uh, we have actually at coda just gone through a new visioning um, concept with our employees and our board of directors and our new vision statement says it all we are in the business we are committed to moving every life forward Mm-hmm. So for me, with my engineering background and working there, working in academia and the private sector, it was just a natural leap for me to say, how do we get this in the hands of people and how do we keep them moving? Mm-hmm. That's excellent. So, you know, being the head of uh, CODA, I, you must have a lot of things just on your mind at all times. I mean, <laughs> are the buses running on time? You know, people get, there's, a, there's this Onion article that I really love from a while back and it it, it has a picture of a confused Anthony Fox, and it says, <laughs> Anthony Fox wonders, what if no one goes anywhere ever again? I mean, <laughs> um, and, and that quote sort of makes me think, you know, what does keep you up at night? Um, and conversely, uh, what are you most excited about right now? Well, I'll tell you, um, our region, the Central Ohio region, is growing exponentially. 
Um, we are projected to grow by more than a million people in the urban core and another two million in the region in the coming decades. And you know, unfortunately, when you think about transportation and mobility, and I could name some other cities, but when you think, oh, I have to travel there, you think, oh, the traffic, right? It's the right. first visceral reaction. Oh, the traffic. Right. You don't think what mode. You just think, oh, my gosh, it's going to be so hard to move. Mm-hmm. And that immediately impacts your experience, whether you're there for work, business, pleasure, whether you are struggling to just meet, make ends meet. If mobility is the barrier, it just challenges everything. So that's what keeps me up at night. Um, I've seen it firsthand in my own personal life growing up. I've seen it um, really affect people in Ohio and across the nation, of course, but you know my home state, Ohio. But what I'm excited about is when you have that type of growth coming at you, an estimated half a million new homes, 600,000 new jobs, a million more people, that's the potential to reinvent yourselves. Right. And Transportation has really been doing kind of the same thing over and over for like 100 years. And expecting a different result. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think um, we ever, you know, people didn't really talk about this. It was just taken for granted. There are roads. I have a car. The car got better. You know, gas mileage got better. My human machine interface is maybe better. It's safer. But yet everything tells us quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, fatalities are at a record high for the decade. Um, you know, triple-digit increases in pedestrian accidents and fatalities. Um, transportation now being the number one polluter in the nation. It's like right. that is not the number one title that we ever want to have. I want to win other number one trophies, mm-hmm. <laughs> not that one. Um, so all of a sudden people are talking and caring about it. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting because um, one of the biggest shifts in our community um, is employers reaching out to us and saying, how can I partner with you to provide mobility as a benefit Mm -hmm. for my employees? Right. Who would have ever thought about that? It's a rethinking, right? Right. Because usually it was just, Mm -hmm. they can figure out how to get to work. That's right. Well, it used Mm -hmm. to be like that. I can remember, you know, back in the newspaper days, like you don't look Mm -hmm. like you're old enough to have read a newspaper, (laughs) but um, it used to say... My dad had one of those things. He folded them out. (laughs) In the ads, that's right. And your fingers get, you know, ink on them. It's a paper iPad. Oh my gosh, I'm going to tell my kids that. Um, So the ad used to say, you know, job available, blah, 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 must have transportation. And the model is completely flipped. We've got employers with thousands of open jobs in central Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I've even talked to the mayor in Lima, Ohio. He's like, I have open jobs. I don't have a way to get people there. The road doesn't move people. Mm-hmm. Systems move people. So I'm excited about the fact that the emergence um, of innovation and getting technology and making mobility um, smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, smarter simply being what we should be doing already. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, into people's hands and into businesses' hands and into nonprofits and those who serve others. Um, that's what that's what's exciting. It also keeps me up at night because all of our policies are to the contrary, right? Like you, you put money into capital. You don't put money in operating. You, um, it's easier to widen a road than it is to rededicate right of way right. to high capacity. Right. So um, even though it keeps me up at night, um, I think as long as you're always thinking about people, mm-hmm. you're, the outcome will be the right one. 
I love that. I really love the focus on moving people uh, mm-hmm. through sort of a smarter system mm-hmm. um, rather than looking just moving the vehicles themselves. Um, and that's why I think there's a really op- exciting opportunity in this uh, pilot you just announced with uh, VIA. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. It's one of a kind, and we're proud of it, but I'll tell you, it has taken us by surprise a bit at how successful the response has been, not only from people who use the Coda Plus service, but also the corporate community and the local, um, so the city, it was launched in Grove City, Ohio, um, which is a suburb, uh, an emerging suburb, really, really great place in central Ohio. So the concept is, you, you know, you make tough decisions every day, right? Mm-hmm. So we have Coda service in Grove City, but it's pretty limited. Grove City's been growing, and you might use transit but then you still have a mile, two miles, or five miles to walk to hospitals, major employers. And so we thought, well, it's let's- the infamous last mile. That first last mile. Yeah. And sometimes that first last mile is two miles. Right. <laughs> winters in Ohio can be a little challenging. Yeah, you can't exactly walk that mile. The, I guess you could, and if you'd you probably, shoes, yeah, yeah. you'd be in great shape. Um, this California would be in real trouble. <laughs> but we're still pretty single occupant vehicle oriented in um, central Ohio. Um, and so, you know, people will, people will make choices based on their options of what's available. So VIA provided the technology, and they're an amazing company to work with. But what's unique about this, because there are a lot of really good microtransit um, concepts going on in L.A., Chicago, D.C., New York. Ours is CODA-operated. So a CODA shows up, and that brings with it brand integrity, mm-hmm. um, safety, peace of mind, security, a CODA operator mm-hmm. who has been through training, who is backed by a 47-year history, Uh, 48 now Mm -hmm. Um, and then all of the things that come with what makes public transportation good so the safety and security the response times emergency management our own street supervisors who can be there within seconds and it's fully ADA compliant excellent so up to six people can share a ride in a microtransit vehicle Mm -hmm. it's app-based on demand so it's really meeting the current um, thought process I don't know how Dial-A-Ride works, I will admit. Mm -hmm. I don't make phone calls to schedule, you know, my trip. But I pull out my thumb and I use it, you know, on my phone to buy tickets to my kid's ball game. Um, I can use it to order, you know, a TNC. You can use it to order Coda Plus. So our average response time is five minutes Mm -hmm. anywhere in the zone in Grove City. A CODA uh, professional picks you up and takes you where you need to go. And if point-to-point service, just like a TNC, is flat rate $3, mm-hmm. if you used the mass transit system, so let's say you arrived on CODA or are, and we're picking you up at a transit stop, mm-hmm. or you're going to use CODA for the rest of your trip, it's free. Wow. Because it is an extension of our service. And this is ensuring that this is actually delivering on the idea of the last mile that's right. Which is kind of mythical in a lot of places, right? Yeah. And a so lot of people, yeah, they don't know what that means. And so mm-hmm. we're trying to make a point that you're still on Coda. Mm-hmm. We're still serving you. And it's free because we just continued your, your trip. It's not your problem that we downsize to a smaller vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at right-sizing the fleet. 
uh, right propulsing the fleet? Mm-hmm. You know, what type of um, energy should we be consuming? And so that's not your issue. That's ours. We are mm-hmm. a company. We know how to run our company, and we're going to figure those things out. Your trip should be seamless. Yeah. And so what's taken us by surprise um, is employers who are like, whoa, wait a minute. How can I guarantee, you know, 1,500 rides on that a month? Mm-hmm. for my employees or my customers. And it's like, uh, well, hadn't thought of that, but we're going to get on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. Yeah, right? it's great news. <laughs> and, you know, it's um, th- there were past examples of some failures um, in the microtransit world. Uh, we look at Bridge in Kansas City sort of as, as an example there. Um, how did you sort of learn from those examples? And, and, and were there things that you have been doing to try and avoid similar problems to what happened with Bridge? Well, so, you know, I really like how you framed that question. I'm a big believer in you either win or you learn. Yeah, exactly. Particularly it's the with the cost of innovation. That's right, the cost of innovation. And with my background in R&D, I think what's interesting right now is all of these pilots you see, maybe it's, maybe it's different for you know, anyone who's not familiar with the 10 steps of the technical readiness <laughs> scale to understand that what you're seeing happen is literally R&D being deployed in public. Yeah. You know, this stuff used to happen behind the scenes mm-hmm. because it was product oriented. But now that it's people oriented, mm-hmm. you have to interact with people. Um, so we have looked at other systems um, that operated even in central Ohio, uh, like the one you mentioned. Y- you have to make choices, right? Mm-hmm. So. One of the biggest concepts of mobility right now is that people are willing to share. You know, they want mobility as a service. Well, transportation has long been subsidized, mm-hmm. right? You may not realize it as you're driving down the road. Right. Um, your gas tax did not pay for that road. No. <laughs> and it is not enough money to pay for the maintenance of that road. So we've already been in the sharing business. And so we just had to reimagine what does a partnership look like so the, it's really about the cost model, mm-hmm. the cost benefit. And if you make thing, decisions based entirely on financial, you will often miss the point mm-hmm. because the financial model does not tell you about other outcomes like social determinants of health. Mm-hmm. Um, are people healthier? Are people more employed? Are we seeing a drop in unemployment rates? So we're looking at different factors besides just the cost of the fare. And so when we partner with a hospital that says, this is where I learned the lesson the most. The hospital only can affect about 10 to 20% of your health mm-hmm. because 80% of it happens outside of their walls. Mm-hmm. And so that's why all of a sudden they care about transport. Right. If my patient cannot get here or if loved ones cannot get here, and this might seem like kind of a rambling response to your answer, but we really had to relook at um, what would make it viable. Mm-hmm. So the one-year pilot, um, the city is paying for half, City of Grove City. Mm-hmm. Um, the other half is CODA funded, and we're using air quality um, CMAC, oh. congestion mitiga- mitigation dollars. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't you? So instead of six tailpipes, there's one. Wow. So w- when you yeah. think about... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so you just have to really think about why you're doing it, how you're sourcing it, and then we're, we're going to learn from this. So a year from now, what, what should it look like? Um, Should it be electric? Should it um, be larger? Should it actually be smaller? You know, four passenger vehicles? And should it be um, continue to be on demand? Should it be fixed route? So 
Yeah, we do a lot of benchmarking. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you asked. Um, and we're benchmarking ourselves because you never know what Coda Plus is going to look like a year from now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a, it's an interesting use of the CMAC funding, uh, <laughs> which um, I, 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 I hope is happening in other places. I, hadn't, I, hadn't really seen that I don't yet. know that it is. That was a pretty novel concept we had to take to our original planning commission. Mm -hmm. And when you think about uh, they represent 11 counties, hundreds of cities and townships, and yeah, we got some... We got some looks. Yeah, I got some eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, well, you know, um, speaking of pitching, um, I'm sure you get pitched by new mobility companies every day. Mm -hmm. um, Had one out in the hallway. Oh Analytics firm did was they like, intercept hey. you on the way? They did. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Um, well, I, I'll, I'll, sure to, I'll be sure to escort you out and try to okay. fin them back. Um, so, but when these people come and they're making their pitches to you, I mean, how do you parse out what's what's real and what will be beneficial to mm -hmm. your writers and your constituents, and uh, what's um, how do you say bullshit? Mm -hmm. Okay. How, how do you figure that out? Well, you can say that. Yeah. I can't. Well, that, that's, what, that's um, my role here. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, next month mm -hmm. are opening a new innovation lab at Coda. Mm -hmm. It's called the Go. Um, an inno a mobility innovation lab by Coda. Uh, we hired a new chief innovation officer who we actually uh, recruited from the aviation industry. Mm -hmm. um, so this is, to me, this is actually kind of the easy question because mm -hmm. if you're willing to keep your mind open and embrace the concept that the economy has changed, this is not the gig economy, this is the innovation economy. You know, it's open and it's sharing, and you have to look at everything as an opportunity to either improve your own organizational excellence or to launch new product or service. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a mindset. And that is a little challenging. Um, when I joined Coda a year and a half ago, super proud of, we immediately went into winning number one transit system in the nation. Mm -hmm. Uh, for a mid-sized city, and that's all very representative of how well you run, mm -hmm. right? Like on time, fiscally responsible, all these things that you think are a successful business. And the businesses that will stay in business are the ones who figure out how to innovate and evolve. Right. So you have to be open. Um, so our chief innovation officer is responsible for vetting these things. Um, when you look at what LA and New York have done with having an open RFP process where people can actually pitch ideas to you, mm -hmm. I see us heading into that arena. Um, we also rely on our partners like The Ohio State University, um, TRC, and others who can help us vet concepts. Mm -hmm. But you have to ask the why. Right. So the gentleman who intercepted me in the hallway. He was telling you why, wasn't he? <laughs> actually, he, this was what was so great. And I took his card because normally people will jump in with what their product is. Mm -hmm. He told me how they're using it. So mm -hmm. he's data analytics. He's figuring out how to identify pedestrian behavior mm -hmm. and use artificial intelligence to then tie it into a human machine interface, which allows the transit operator to be more aware. So we're talking about improvements on HMI or ADAS. Yeah, and he was talking about the pedestrian and the operator. And he was wanting to avoid a collision and save someone's life. And I was like, that is the type of person right. you should talk to. Because I'm sure there are umpteen data analytics firms here today. Yeah. <laughs> but he started with the why. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's a, a really pleasant surprise. I mean, especially with, you know, this three times uptick in pedestrian deaths. I mean, it's, yes. it, you know, it, it's so troubling that we're seeing the, the growth of pedestrian and, and bike deaths while... 
uh, deaths and pe- people actually in vehicles mm-hmm. uh, seems to be declining or at, at that rate. Um, I want to turn to um, sort of what what I think really um, has drawn a lot of people's attention, which is the Smart City Challenge. Um, so U.S. Department of Transportation under the Obama administration um, had a Smart City Challenge, and um, Columbus emerged on top. Um, so what have you learned in the, in the time since that, and um, what kind of opportunity do you think that's created for Columbus? It certainly put Columbus on the stage as far as people looking at what we're doing. Uh, we are an incredible community, but I think we're a well-kept secret. Mm-hmm. Um, we, ha- we are home to so many Fortune 50 and Fortune 100 companies. Uh, we have community leaders who do the right thing. Uh, we have a diverse economy, financial sector, manufacturing, automotive. Um, our educational system and our universities are incredible. Um, I think the best thing it did is it shone a light on what we're doing because we just kind of do it and we don't (laughs) really take time to celebrate it. You know, when when I was telling someone I'm going to be up in Michigan speaking at SAE and they said, well, I thought you left the automotive industry. I'm like, I'm still in the mobility business. It is three hours away and it's important to tell the story. Um, So I was at Ohio State in TRC during the smart city proposal pitch Mm -hmm. and um, development. So it's really interesting to be on the other side of helping implement. Um, I think the best thing the federal program did Mm -hmm. was it forced government to start looking at how to innovate and evolve. You know, every other market sector already went through this and they had to do it in order to stay in business. And government is about serving people and we, we can do it better, and we can do it more efficiently, and we can do more with the same amount of resources. Mm-hmm. So it has shown me how we can open each other's eyes, and including in Columbus, like I mentioned, our corporate partners, they're at the table. So they're saying things like, well, we do this with our data analytics. Why don't, why don't we loan teams to you and let you help reimagine mm-hmm. how you deliver service? Um, so I have just been absolutely overwhelmed by participating throughout the process and sitting on the executive committee now mm-hmm. um, in the CODA role. And a lot of the um, concepts, you know, very, you get down to projects, right? So feds right. fund projects, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For all of my fed friends listening. Um, so those projects, a lot of them, CODA will absorb them. Like we will be taking over some of the apps that are developed and putting them in people's hands so they can use multiple systems, including transit to move. Um, it has moved the needle on electrification mm-hmm. um, in private companies and government alike. So I have just loved learning um, and helping craft a new model of how government operates. Absolutely. I yeah. hope people think about that because I think people race to the technology side mm-hmm too quick right um we're talking about a new model of how to run government services yeah as you say it's it's the why mm-hmm. um and I, I think that's that's absolutely the most important part um i mean don't get me wrong i think the fact that we're deploying 4200 connected vehicles this year is really cool yeah <laughs> and you guys are using i guess you're using the dsrc format or cellular v to x um we're so it's a um a, it's a combo mm-hmm. right so even the industry hasn't decided whether it's going to be DRS, dsrc or v to x so it's, it's a like combination a with every week's of announcements. there is yeah. right so um it's it's a combination there's mm-hmm. some areas that are dsrc like the us 33 smart mobility corridor that i helped set up mm-hmm. And then, um, like on our major corridors from downtown to Westerville, it's V to X mm-hmm. um, and V to V. 
mm-hmm. uh, in V to I. So um, I love that it's all going to take place, and then the data and the research from that can go back into the hands of people who are making decisions of what to deploy. Have there, has, is there any data yet that you could point to, uh, perhaps, that's resulted from this? So the Smart Columbus operating system, um, which is a platform publicly accessible online, um, Coda is one of many that are providing data sources there. Uh, you know, right now, if you would let me turn my phone off of airplane mode, mm-hmm. I could show you where every single one of our vehicles is in yeah. real time. And so those data feeds are available for um, public and private entrepreneurs alike um, to take and then solve discrete challenges. And so that's something we have been really pleased by mm-hmm. with other companies or uh, startups coming in saying, did you know that this existed? You know, so, you know, maybe I have a mobility desert in a neighborhood and we've been, you know, beating our head on the wall trying to figure out how do we get mobility in the hands of people, but our vehicles are too big or maybe it's too expensive. And using uh, non-traditional data sources, they're like, did you know you have a cluster here? And it looks like they're always going over here. And let's work with uh, the employer, you know, to get systems, uh, shuttles put in place. So, yeah, the Smart Columbus operating system is a great place to start. Love it. Um, and uh, I can try and include the link in the in the show notes for people to check out. Okay. Um, let's turn to scooters. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we went through the Uber and Lyft uh, revolution. Um, scooters and e-bikes have um, really started to reach sort of the next forefront of the discussions around shared mobility. Um, their pitch is a way to solve the first last mile challenge. Do you, do you, would you agree with that? Um, it, does that match your experience? Where do you think that's going? They are definitely part of the portfolio of solutions. Mm-hmm. It works a little differently when it's 20 degrees out or when you've had a six-inch snowfall. Mm-hmm. So, so shared snowmobiles is what they should be going <laughs> no, for. No, oh. we're not doing sh- shared <laughs> snowmobiles. Well, you know, I probably should never say never. Oh, gosh. Um, well, look, we, we joke, but last year we mentioned uh, autonomous shared electric pogo sticks on the podcast last uh-huh. fall. Okay. And two months later, uh, what was it, Rue was announced? That That's right. The, the ones in San Francisco. So you never know. That's right. So, okay, I, I hereby retract. Royalty, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have any immediate plans to go into snowmo- shared snowmobile service. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do believe that scooters, you know, mode agnostic, I'm a big believer in the more solutions that are in people's hands, mm-hmm. the better off we are. Right. Um, we definitely have seen higher utilization of them, certainly within a certain customer segment during a certain time of year in central Ohio. When it gets colder, you know, utilization drops. But I think that the scooter revolution is just one step in a huge revolution of how people choose to move. And, the, and what it is is like the reinventing of our cities. Yeah. And um, so we've tried some mobility innovation tests recently where, you know, we're one of the last few cities without dedicated transit lanes. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm intimating a goal. This is going to happen. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's dedicated transit lanes. So we mm-hmm. did combination bike, scooter, and bus in this lane to make sure that um, everyone had options, right? So it's mm-hmm. not just about the bus and make sure that other modes are included. And it was incredible. There was more than a 25% increase in traffic flow in that one lane oh, wow. speeds were normalized mm-hmm. um you know our operators who 
I suspect are a little fearful of scooters because of people making, it's not the scooter, it's it's always the human, right? It's the human driver, it's the the person doing something crazy on the scooters scooter. Don't crash scooters, people crash scooters. That's, there you go. Um, but even the operators, you know, the feedback we got was, wow, it gave me such a comfort level that we're all kind of moving at the same speed mm-hmm. um, during, during rush hour. And so, um, you know, I think your question was, do I think it is the solution? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. There right. is nothing that is the solution. I think it's part of the solution. Yeah, it's an ecosystem. Yeah. And you got to have our part. That's uh, right. Um, so, uh, one of the things that um, my lovely co host Pete wanted me to ask you is would Coda ever operate their own uh, sort of scooter share system? <laughs> um, I am not going to comment on the scooter thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will see us get into other modes. Interesting. Yeah. Well, great. Um, and tell him thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, um, so um, let's turn to infrastructure. Okay. Um, it's infrastructure week every week. Um, and of course, um, it's it's something that's hard to ignore. You know, we're talking about the things that are actually moving, but of course, we have to make sure that um, they, they actually can move on, on this infrastructure. Um, so as a former um, Ohio DOT leader, you spent some time there. Um, how are you working with the city and the state DOTs on um, like bus only lanes? Like, how do you actually negotiate that? Um, and it's not just the governments, but it's actually dealing with the constituencies, mm-hmm. right? And getting people to believe in. I guess the only thing that's more um, political than parking might be taking away a traffic lane, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that it's an you know, there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Just in even how you ask the question. Mm-hmm. So the way you ask the question is really representative of how people think today, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I alluded to the fact that one of the last major cities that does not have dedicated transit lanes, I do believe that will change. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio is a home rule state. So cities are really in charge of making their own decisions. Our central Ohio region, the, the, the urban portion is 14 cities. And then if I expand out to the 11 county region, mm-hmm. now we're up you know, in the 30s. <laughs> That's a lot of overlapping jurisdictions. It is. Yeah. And we um, have great relationships with the cities and we are even more focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, working with those who already see this revolution. So Columbus, Whitehall, Westerville, people who say, I have potential in my community, I'm going to redevelop, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to develop in a mobility-rich, walkable uh, environment where I can have more jobs, Mm -hmm. more affordable housing, I'm going to have more amenities, and I'm going to focus my community around the person, Mm -hmm. right? So the person requires jobs and healthcare and services and education. Well, you can't redevelop a 35-acre site and just expand the road. So we already know this, right? So right. those of us, especially engineers who, like, I could cite you the formula, it, you always outgrow it. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot build your way out of congestion. So thankfully, they've been the ones, those three cities in particular, who have come to us and said, we have a ton of right-of-way. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking 140 feet sometimes. Let's rededicate existing. We're not going to tear buildings down. We're not going to rip sidewalks up. We are going to reuse what we have. Let's use it better. That's right. And so um, it's been an incredible conversation with the cities recently. I alluded to the mobility innovation tests. Mm-hmm. That is us literally running dedicated transit lanes. And instead of you know making it a huge multi-month or multi-year project, the police 
public service. They came out, set up cones. We had people on the corners. Like we created the lane overnight mm. and then tore it down within an hour of rush hour being over. Wow. Just to prove the to people. version of tactical urbanism. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm glad you um, know about tactical mm. urbanism because when I mentioned that to my board of directors, they were like, what? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, are I think the word tactical, that's right. Out there with cones in the, of the, night? Yeah. the tactical word threw them a bit. I'm like, I'm not talking about military ops. I'm a mobility commando, yeah. <laughs> so um, just showing the community like, okay, I didn't widen your road. I didn't take your road away. Mm-hmm. Using it better. Mm-hmm. And people really, I mean, the customer satisfaction, the feedback we got. So we did surveys after these tests. And we're going to do another one, I think. Would that be maybe, I think during the upcoming, um, there's this football game, we have this team in town, they're kind of big deal, and they're playing another rival team, mm-hmm. so we're going to do... I so, have no idea who you're Yeah, I, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> so what's funny is, one of the things that you expect mm-hmm. about that day is, mobility will be awful, right? The whole right. town shuts down. You can't get anywhere. You allow extra time. And we already have a program that we do called Bus It to the Buckeyes where we set up park and rides around the city and we bus you in and we get you in through the roads that are closed and we drop you off at the stadium. And it's like $4. And people love it. And we move almost 10% of the people to and from games. That's good. So you also have other people who are like, well, I've never really tried that. I'm sitting in traffic or I had to park three miles away. So we're working with the city and the university to put some of these innovation tests up during game day where you already know I'm going to have an extra 100,000 people on the road. And let's see if we can move the needle by changing our infrastructure literally an hour at a time. You want to talk about dynamic and on demand? Mm-hmm. What if your infrastructure looked different every hour of the day depending on what the demand was? Yeah, I love that. Um, and, and so how do you get people? Uh, to actually get into those buses. I mean, do you put a sign on the, on the side of those buses saying, you could already be there by now? <laughs> you know what? Um, I'm looking for a new AVP of marketing and you're hired. <laughs> because that's exactly the challenge is, uh, so we don't market on our buses. Mm-hmm. And as actually one of the things I discovered when I first um, accepted the role at CODA, we have never thought about marketing in like a sales or a messaging. It's always been about, um, you know, brand integrity, brand awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just now getting into that. Like, and, and a lot of it's digital, too. Mm-hmm. You have to think about um, how easy it is to get messages geocoded based on where someone is now. Um, I have seen, I think one of the coolest ads I ever saw down in Cincinnati was exactly what you described. Mm-hmm. There's this commuter corridor that's awful. And on the back of the uh, the Metro bus, it, it said, it, and it was actually paid for by... Um, an app like one of these gaming apps uh-huh. and it's their app and it says you could be playing this if you were sitting on this vehicle i love it yeah <laughs> so um we'll, we'll get there we definitely have to increase our marking and awareness it's helpful i saw the greatest example this morning um so the the nation's um, veterans museum mm-hmm. was just commissioned and built in columbus ohio not washington dc hmm. it's been open a year mm-hmm. it's just down the street from our headquarters it's called the National Veterans uh, Memorial and Museum. And they're gonna have their first ever inaugural five mile race in two weeks on Veterans Day. And so we've partnered as the official transportation partner because same thing, downtown mm-hmm. will be shut down, traffic will be a nightmare. Uh, we really believe in supporting veterans um, and, and that's a high priority at CODA. Mm-hmm. So we have partnered to be the mobility provider. And what came into my email, because I signed up for the race, was 
trip planning, right? Did you know? And of course, what I love about this is mm-hmm. the race team or the, you know, the company running the race doesn't know who I am, right? right. So in my <laughs> inbox this morning, and it says, Coda's the official transportation partner of the veterans race. And I'm like, heck yeah, we are. Yeah. So I, I'm, I was looking through it and it's great. It, mm-hmm. The information was put into the hands of the racer mm-hmm. saying, here's how you can use Coda to get here. Roads will be shut down. Here's how to make that day the best experience for you. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can partner with people I think their marketing can be just as impactful, maybe more impactful mm-hmm. than ours, because they have a proposition to maintain, which is, you know, how do you get to my place of business? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and it's for them to own the mobility portion of the conversation, I think, mm-hmm. is, is going to be a revolution for us. And it's exposing people who maybe haven't taken transit before right. into doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's fantastic. Um, we talked a little bit about electrification uh, before we uh, jumped on the air, and um, it's something that um, you know is, is, is near to dear and dear to my heart because um, there is, of course, a, a huge national and economic security impact of um, our dependence on oil. Um, it brings us into foreign entanglements, and um, as a lot of the folks who uh, will be will be honored um, at this race um, had experienced. Um, how do you see electrification and electric vehicles really playing into the future of CODA, uh, but also the transportation sector? Um, and why do you think this is important? Well, I, you know, I share your sentiments, mm-hmm. not only about um, national security. Mm-hmm. I think we, should, we really should be more thoughtful about generating and using our resources. Mm-hmm. Um, we have already taken big steps um, at CODA, so we have switched, made a commitment to switch from diesel to um, locally sourced compressed natural gas. Mm-hmm. And our fleet is now 60% CNG, and within nice. four years it will be 100% CNG. And now we are beginning that same process. So that was a transformation that was very deliberately thought out of like how every year do we make you know double mm-hmm. digit change. So we're going through the same thing right now with electrification. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited uh, to see the advances in energy storage mm-hmm. capability, because um, really, for the heavy-duty industry, that's the, kind of the last holy grail on energy. Um, and we saw it with passenger vehicles mm-hmm. 10 years ago, and then it was about consumer preference. And now that heavy-duty is finally breaking loose, mm-hmm. uh, we have committed to buying um, electric vehicles. We're still evaluating how many. I, you know, I think you could search the news and find that we committed to buying at least ten. Well, we're actually working on should we, you know, should we ramp that up? Mm-hmm. Should we ten x that? Should we twenty x that? And should we do entire corridors mm-hmm. that are all electric, particularly in areas around hospitals and schools or non-attainment or where we know that people are experiencing? inequality with health issues because mm-hmm. their neighborhoods have been polluted by our transportation decisions in the past. Right. Um, so we're looking at that, and I think you'll hear some news about us launching much more EV in the future. But like everyone uh, in the industry knows, it's really about the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So I could literally go buy buses tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. they're finally available. Mm-hmm. I need to charge them. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just like plugging it. You don't plug that into a yeah. wall. Um, so I have a pretty incredible team uh, led by a gentleman who actually was from the uh, railroad industry mm-hmm. who is working on holistically revamping all of our buildings for um, non-revenue vehicles like passenger size vehicles to be electric charged and then the heavy duty. And I, um, I'm hoping to partner too with Ohio State and some others um, the feds have a program, No Low. You're probably mm-hmm. familiar with No and Low Emissions. We just won the largest grant award um, from the feds recently um, to purchase electric vehicles. Um, that was our first ever, and we're really excited about it. And so we're going to use that as a reason to go back and retrofit our buildings. But then that opens up a conversation with the utility provider, right? Because the transformer outside the building isn't sized for that. Mm-hmm. So it might look super easy to a consumer that, hey, they decided to buy electric buses. But then how do we, so um, one of our facilities is in a pretty uh, disenfranchised neighborhood that was cut off by railroads, cut off by interstate, mm-hmm. cut off by ramps, and disinvested in. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're gonna upgrade the transformer for our facility, what does that neighborhood need so that you know the hospital can expand and so that um, new employers can also be electrified? Mm-hmm. So we're trying to make it part of a larger community conversation. That's excellent. I guess one last question on sort of electrification. Um, whenever you're making this purchase decision um, to get an electric bus, you have to weigh sort of the, the cost between internal combustion engine, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see... Are you expecting to see a significant savings? Is that, how does that factoring in for you? I think the, um, the cost differential will be longer term. Mm-hmm. So just like anything, new product is more expensive. Right now, EVs um, in, the, in the passenger are pretty much equivalent. In the uh, heavy-duty, high-capacity, they're more mm-hmm. expensive. So the capital outlay up front is more exp- expensive initially. Mm-hmm. We will have significant cost savings on the refueling, mm-hmm. but I've got to use that cost savings to pay for the fact I had to retrofit the building, right? right? So the, um, the initial investment up front, um, thankfully, we're in a good position. We can make that you know, capital intense, and then it's a payback model over mm-hmm. years. Um, I think where you will really begin to see cost savings is when it's normal, mm-hmm. Right, so um, as the price point comes down on the vehicles, there will be cost savings more long-term within about a decade, and then parts. Mm -hmm. So we know how many times we replace this one single little part, this thing in uh, the engine that's constantly wearing down, like every Mm -hmm. 4,300 miles, we have this one part that has to be replaced. Replace your hyperdrive, yeah, things like that. (laughs) So um, I think we'll begin to see some on the maintenance side as well, um, Mm -hmm. where we have really great um, maintenance technicians, and I think you know, as they look at their processes and how they can streamline their work and ultimately free up capacity, that's mm-hmm. a cost savings people don't talk about a lot. Right. So if those guys are um, working on, you know, this system and it, and it doesn't break down as much, mm-hmm. that gives them more capacity to handle more systems, more vehicles. Right. Um, so I think the cost savings, people are always wanting to see cost savings, but I'd like to think of it as reinvestment yeah. because I'm hoping that th- those same mechanics can be running more service for us um, when you know the systems are 
more succinct, you know, and aren't breaking down so much. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Um, well, Joanna, this has been um, incredible discussion and uh, wide ranging. <laughs> um, <as laughs> Is expected. there anything we didn't cover? <laughs> um, actually, the last thing I have to ask of you um, okay. is Congress is starting to discuss uh, the Service Transportation Reauthorization, the FAST Act Reauthorization. <laughs> if you had one ask um, of Congress, <laughs> what would it be? Really? <laughs> you can get two. <laughs> um, I would ask, and this will sound so cliche, uh-huh. I would ask for more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, the programs have become so restrictive based on decades mm-hmm. of programming. And rather than having just this like one little, you know, JPO innovation, if they could take that philosophy across all the programs on eligibility. Mm-hmm. So there are things that we in Central Ohio are not eligible for because we're, quote, not big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I think if it impacts 20 million trips a year, you know, maybe that should be eligible. Or right. um, we're looking at some artificial intelligence that would um, improve traffic flow, reduce fatalities, improve response times for first responders, and get people home safer and faster. Mm-hmm. Um, well, apparently, you know, that maybe falls over in this bucket mm-hmm. and a transit agency is not eligible. Like, it's just, I think if they could be more flexible, mm-hmm. they would be impressed with um, what a bunch of us are getting ready to do. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll uh, see you up on the uh, witness stand uh, sometime next year when they're okay. talking about it. Deal. Sounds uh, good. Well, uh, thank you so much. And, and so where can folks follow you um, online and learn more about CODA? So um, it depends on your your uh, media platform, but Twitter, it's at C-O-T-A, CODA, BUS, B-U-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, our website, CODA.com. We are on Instagram. We are also on Facebook. Um, I do have a personal uh, Twitter, and people find me on there all the time. But um, those are our CODA handles, and mm-hmm. feel free to connect with us anytime. Great. Um, and I am at A.V. Gregor. Follow the Mobility Podcast, at Mobility Podcast. And check out our website, mobilitypodcast.com. Uh, Joanna, thank you so much for joining us. Great. Uh, I appreciate the time. Thanks.